0: I want to ask finally, and I'll ask everyone else as well, how the business of setting of standards feeds through to those people who use the services? Clearly underpinning it is the faith in standards to improve the quality of what is delivered to individuals. Do you think they work in that sense? Is it too early to say
1: no, I don't think so. I mean, I think there are lots of standards which you can point to and say, look, this is working. Standards in residential care are absolutely important around choice and freedom in residential care. You can go in and argue the case. You can blow a whistle. There's lots and lots of examples where standards have have certainly shifted the ground and allowed practitioners and managers to appeal to other authorities to say, no, this is how we should be doing business. So I'm certainly not of the mind that standards are either some kind of strange gloss on practice which doesn't really matter. Standards help them but they won't help social workers become sophisticated system managers which is what the social worker is today I think. The really effective social worker is somebody of an entrepreneur who can manage a range of different audiences, publics and build uh, uh, innovative solutions. Now that's an awful lot easier said than done and of course a lot of social workers say they don't do that because they're, they're busy stuck with a proceduralized approach to uh, assessment, planning, intervening and reviewing on a fairly set sort of treadmill required by regulation and some standards. And the space to do innovative, creative work is closing down a bit for them, they particularly feel. Now, I mean, how we open up that space, it seems to me, is the key question. And uh, and hopefully standards should help us argue the case for more space, more discretion, more innovation, more creativity, rather than close it down. And that's how I'd like to see standards argued. And uh, that's how I'd like to see the profession support the standards and argue for them. And to somehow use those as a bulwark against what appears to be a fairly externalised set of requirements regulations which come from central government uh, and from targets and, and other local authority agendas. So social workers occupy a really complicated fascinating world and I'm much more interested in their day to day solutions in a sense and to see how standards are factored into that rather than assume that standards themselves can influence directly, which I don't think they do.
0: What about the standards in the service users? How do you think that the the, the revolution in, in the, the training of social workers, the, the setting of standards through their education, the application of those standards, and then the raft of things that are coming from government, have changed things for those people who use the services? Well, I don't know how much changed things
2: are, but I, I do agree that there's an absolutely clear relationship between being able to say, this is how things should be, If you are running a good, safe children's home where children are able to thrive and be healthy, happy, safe and achieve their potential, you will be able to demonstrate and evidence the following things. If you can't do that, you really have to know that you're not running such a safe establishment. Things like that children are listened to, and the various ways that you would be doing that. That when children have a problem, they know where to go. When parents have a a complaint to make, they know how to make it that children should have, you know, the the various things that they should have, then you very clearly, if you can't demonstrate those things and point to and evidence them, then you would definitely have a problem. So I think it's, it's probably easier for some service users to use that. However, the most vulnerable service users are those who don't have access to that kind of knowledge or understanding and also are very vulnerable to not being able to doing anything about it either. So... I suppose they're only as good as the practitioners who are using them,
3: which I suppose was Susanna's and Andy's point as well. Steve? Yeah, I think I found myself in agreement with most of what's been said so far, really. I mean, I think it's quite clear that standards are not magic bullets. They're not going to solve all the problems we see around us in society on their own. I mean, I think it would be ludicrous to think that they could. You have to put into the equation resources. You have to put into the equation the overall quality of the workforce and a whole range of other issues around policy and government targets and all the rest of it. We've also talked about the interplay between um, the new regulatory regimes and the new target setting and performance culture, uh, which has to be really taken into account as well. So it's a very complex picture. What I would say is that standards, if they're used wisely... Um, in other words not used so as to regulate uh, creativity out of existence but rather to um, spur people on to higher standards of performance and hold up ideals really in front of people if they're used in that kind of way then I think they can have a very helpful impact on practice but they don't exist in a vacuum and I think if there is a A problem around a lot of this at the moment it is that perhaps too much emphasis has been put on targets or standards or other kind of external frameworks and not enough attention sometimes is given to -to day-to-day practice and the quality of relationships and the things that often matter to people so you know although i spend a lot of my life thinking about um, standards and and operating in those kind of national frameworks I'm very well aware that you know they can't exist in a a vacuum and they have to be brought alive really through day-to-day practice.
0: And as someone who I suppose is one of the architects of the new system as we have it, given that you have now left and are free to speak, what do you think has worked and hasn't worked? What would you do differently if you were starting the whole job again?
3: I think in terms of what's worked and what hasn't worked, now this is going to seem like a bit of a cop-out. As far as the degree in social work is concerned, I think it's almost too early to say because effectively the degree in social work was instituted in 2003 and really in many places only in 2004 and it's different in in, in the other countries as well. So people are only just starting to come out of courses, we're only just starting to see the impact of that training on, on practice. So there is a national evaluation going on at the moment so to some extent it is an empirical question but I have to say that with the best will in the world whatever is produced by that national evaluation is going to be limited because we really won't have time to measure the impact. As far as the post-qualifying framework goes well it's even earlier because uh, many courses have not yet been established and uh, people at the moment are rather preoccupied with issues about how to set up programs and who to recruit onto them. I mean and in many ways I'm one of those people who are preoccupied with the issues of well are there going to be enough people coming forward for training in the first place? I think this is where the the money is, you know, connects with the training because unless uh, local authorities and others feel mm. they've got the money to actually provide uh, support for training and so on, you can have as many standards as you want and it won't work because you can only really improve the standards of people who are actually able to come forward for, for training. So I suppose there's a plea in there for uh, employers to really
1: prioritise training issues. Oh, another point from there, just, just very briefly, is that... We, We must be careful we can learn from one another across the devolved countries of the UK because I think uh, things are different and uh, I think we do have much to learn so, for example in Wales now we we now actually training 10% more social workers since the new uh, course came on stream with fee based support and social workers and social services more generally has a different policy position within what we might call the welfare system within Wales and from England in a way, some very different changes there and so I agree with you I think it's still an empirical question but the empirical question must I think be put across the four countries to, to get the best of that I think and that's, a, and that's a real plea really that uh, we don't all go down our separate roads and not learn as we should do.
0: Susanna could I just ask you a final question to wind up because the optimists in the profession say that the more we define what is good practice then the more we encourage social workers to think about what they're doing and that that must feed through to better services for individuals in the end. What do you say to that? I think I say yes and no. I still worry about this idea that by defining something you can make practice better. But if I had to force you to say yes or no, what would you say? (laughs) Are you coming down with the optimists or with those who feel constrained? I'm coming down with the optimists in terms of... I mean, I think it's wholly positive that the degree course has started and I think that the notion of post-qualifying training is wholly positive. I think anything that gives practitioners a little bit of space to step back from what they're doing and actually seriously think about it and make themselves analyse it, I think, I think that's absolutely crucial. So I think from that point of view I've come down firmly on the side of the optimists. But I think for me, again, it's being allowed that time and that space to, to do the thinking which will allow those standards to be met. It's not the standards that will actually create the change.